0: Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details.
1: Challenge Mania is coming to you live from Caroline's on Broadway in New York City on Saturday, June 2nd. Show starts at 2 p.m., but arrive early because you will be seated in the order in which you appear. Head over to challengemania.live to score your tickets today. Caroline's has great food, great drinks, and is the premier venue for comedy in New York City. What better place to premiere the live stage version of the podcast you have come to know and love, Challenge Mania. Along with our three special guests, the audience will be a part of the show. So start training, up your political game now, and start to figure out who your alliances are. Because on Saturday, June 2nd at 2 p.m., Carolines on Broadway turns into the Challenge House, and you just got cast. Challenge Mania takes the stage, and if you don't want to miss it, head over to ChallengeMania.live today. And just announced, our special guests will be none other than the godfather Mark Long and Emily Schramm. What's up, everybody? This is Scott Yeager here with another edition of Challenge Mania. But you didn't come for me, you came for D. So on the line right now, I have a true conglomerate, Mr. Derek Kaczynski. What's up, dude?
2: Conglomerate, you like that word. I've been using that a lot lately, kind of like your droves. It's so your uh, new favorite word. Yeah, no. Um, what's up, buddy? Hope, uh, hope all is well. Hope everyone had an awesome weekend, week, whatever. Um, you know, I'm just uh, ready to talk to America's sweetheart. Well, it used to be America's sweetheart, uh, and he is friends with Abe. So, uh, and he did try to, he did try to get me killed by a shark, eaten by a shark one day. Um, where uh, we both got fined for leaving the challenge premises and going too far, uh, looking, searching for food on the island. So we're just gonna get get right into that story and we're gonna find out why he why Kahuta tried to kill me. And if he's hunting bears right now, because every time I see an Instagram story, he's like in the wilderness,
1: you know? Um, a lot of people like this guy. We got a, a pretty unconditionally positive response to when we drop the news that we we're having Kahuta on. Uh, a lot of people love Abe. A lot of people love that episode. Thank you guys so much for the feedback. But more or less every guest we promote, we get one or two people who are like, ah, I don't know, not my favorite, I'm not listening, whatever. We get a couple haters. Not one for Kahuta. Everyone and was just so happy and excited to, to know they'd be hearing from him. So,
2: and, and that's the problem with cast members these days. If you're too likable all right, and you don't get into the stew too often – we may not see you for a while.
1: Well, let's see if we can get Kahuta to brew some stew here on Challenge Mania because it, it's clear that the the maniacs want him back. We want him back, and uh, maybe we can get him to uh, stick that ladle in the cauldron a little bit, brew up some stew, and who knows who's listening. Well,
2: yeah I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's gonna be, I don't think he's gonna be brewing the stew per se, but he's gonna oh. definitely have some awesome stories. Was that a ch- was that awesome
1: a challenge, D? Was that a challenge?
2: No, 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 not necessarily. I, I do. I bring like someone like this. He, he is astounding because he has an awesome voice. First of all, a great, uh, Southern accent. Second of all, he has amazing stories and, and, and the, um, and, and the way he perceives things and his point of view will be like nobody else. I promise you that. So um, let's I'm just saying, it.
1: if that was a challenge, D, and you were challenging me to get Kahuta, Mr. Kahuta Grindstaff, Kahuta Lee, at Kahuta Lee on Twitter, to brew some stew, I got two words for you. Challenge accepted. All right, D-X.
3: Let's, D-X. Uh, yeah,
1: right. No, not those two words, unfortunately. This is huh? a kid friendly yeah. program. Well, maybe it's All not. Right. But who oh, okay,
2: knows? And I know we're cutting this, uh, this, this intro short, but on um, May 19th, uh, Chicagoland area. Come through, Uh, challengethrowdown.com backslash events. There's going to be a whole bunch of us there.
1: Yeah, and for those of you who might think that this intro is short uh, because you guys complained about the lengths of the intro, not true. DJ just has somewhere to be. So you guys know where to find the merch, challengemania.shop. You know where to find info on ChallengeMania Live at Caroline Saturday, June 2nd with Mark Long, Emily Schramm, and more. That's challengemania.live. And you know where to find us on Twitter. That's where you guys got us all the questions we're going to be asking Kahuta today. I promise I'm going to try to get to as many questions as I can today. We know the Abe episode, we didn't get to too many, but we will be doing a part two of Abe, so stay tuned for that. At, um, yeah, let's give Kahuta a call. He's at Kahuda Lee on Twitter. So if you like him on the episode, let him hear it. It's at Derek MTV at Shot of Jaeger. That's where you can get us all your questions and let us know what you thought of the episodes. Let us know who you want to hear next on Challenge Mania on Instagram. He's at Derek MTV as well. I, however, am at Yeager underscore Scott and on Facebook where we're running contests. Um, for stickers, for merch, for all that good stuff. We're going to start doing guest polls on Facebook. It's Facebook.com slash Challenge Mania Podcast. Gave away some uh, stickers this weekend on Twitter and Facebook. Those should be getting in the mail soon. If you get them, let us know where you put them, where you stick them. Show us some photos. Show us some love. Keep the merch photos coming as well. All right, guys, how was that? Short little intro, even under five minutes here. We're going to call Kahuta. See if we can get our man to brew some stew. Here we go.
4: The Challenge Mania Patreon is now live. Head to patreon.com slash challengemania or challengemaniapodcast.com to get the scoop on how you can get access to new bonus Challenge Mania content. Hey, wait a minute. Does this mean Challenge Mania is going to cost money now? No,
1: Challenge Mania is still 100% free. You'll still get two episodes every week with your favorite Challenge stars just like you do now. That will not change.
4: Oh, so it's just bonus episodes, special Q&As, video content, and contests for patrons?
1: Exactly. Got it.
4: The Challenge Mania Patreon is 100% voluntary. By listening to the show, you're already doing enough. But if you're craving some more, want to score some exclusive goodies, or just want to show your appreciation for the show, ChallengeManiaPodcast.com is where you can go get it.
2: Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. I can hear that that accent that I miss so dearly,
3: that I've missed so dearly for so long. I don't know what happened. I was trying to uh, uh, I was trying to do this on my computer, and I'm not. I mean, I can I can navigate a little, but I'm not necessarily. I'm no Bill Gates on a computer. No, you don't even have cable anymore. Cable schmable. Stuff's overrated. <laughs> How do you keep in touch with society since you live in the woods? I don't. I don't. Society. Uh, society's developed a very ignorant opinion on a lot of stuff, so it just frustrates me to listen to most of them. So I just kind of sit. I just kind of talk to myself and grumble about things anymore. <laughs> is is, <laughs> is society the villain?
1: I think that. <laughs>
3: Oh man, I don't know. You're opening a uh, big old can of worms. <laughs> yeah, way to wait to so open what?
1: with the existential shit, D. What, how about what? like how you
3: been? Hey, no, this, this is, is going to be a very existential conversation. I won't tell you. No. I'm not good at podcasts because I tend to be long winded about things, and I like to. I often pause in between sentences oh, to make sure I'm not going to say nothing dumb at the next sentence
1: that's fine i can i can tighten that up a little bit it works oh. out because d isn't long-winded at all according to yeah. our listeners so that'll work out
2: yeah i get yelled i get yelled at a lot for not letting uh, other people talk and um so you can you can stay as long-winded as you want you can you can pause as many times as you want and you know and it kind of leads us to to you know why you know my notion of why we don't see guys back like Kahuta. You know, are
3: we are we on right now? Is this, is it,
2: is yeah, this live? This, yeah, we did not even All do right. an introduction because uh, but we can do an introduction. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. we could do
1: no I wanna do a little do a little intro for him. Let's do a little intro for him. Okay, perfect, perfect All right? perfect. So, um, on the line right now, we have a true fan favorite. And when I say that, I mean, he's not even the fan favorite that like, you know, 20 people of the 20% of the people don't like him. Literally every single person who saw that he was coming on the show was excited to hear from Mr. Kahuta from real world Sydney and a veteran of four seasons of the challenge. We haven't seen him since battle of the bloodlines, but he is now on challenge mania bringing that Southern twang to the airwaves for you guys. Kahuta, what's up, dude?
3: Not much, man. I'm, uh... I was just kind of getting, trying to get all my technology in order here. We couldn't hardly, we had some difficulties kind of getting in touch with each other through this Skype thing. And I think it's because I had two different accounts. I think I had an old account and then a new account. And uh, y'all kept calling and I was trying to answer. And I was just screaming hello in my kitchen as loud as I could. And nobody, nobody would answer. So I think we're good now. That's why I was asking if we were on. I didn't know that if, I didn't know if it was kind of like a, uh, We kind of say, hey, what's going on? And then we go, all right, we're live now but apparently this has been on the whole time. Yeah, right? we bob cool.
1: and weave. We, sometimes it's funny, nice. we, when we did our first like 20 episodes or so, you know, we get the person on and then I do like this nice intro and it was really concrete about when we were starting. And then along the lines there, people would answer and say like the funniest shit would be like the first thing out of their mouth about how like they were finishing their breakfast or whatever, or the way they would greet D would be so endearing. So then sometimes we just kind of start rolling it from there because that just seems so more genuine yeah. than me being like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, with us today is Mr. Kahuta Lee Grindstep. You know, like so. So uh, this is a mixture of both. Maybe we'll leave yeah. in a little bit of the tech issues and you answering, and then we'll segue into the intro. Who knows, man? You're a trailblazer all the way. How you doing?
3: I'm doing good. I didn't. I had a. I was going to talk talk on my computer, Scott. And then I was. I drank two, three cups of coffee this morning. and I was thinking, damn, I'm on. I had to pee, and I was like, they're going to call. My computer is going to be on the table, and there I'm going to be. So I took my computer with me to the bathroom, and I set it on the back of the toilet with my headphones in, well, just in case. That's how dedicated I am, Scott. Just in case y'all called midstream, yeah. uh, I would be able to answer and be like, "Hey, what's up?" We appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, man. So yeah, so
2: <laughs> dude, it's, it's so caught I mean, I haven't talked to you in such a long time. Like, I was, I was just saying, like, uh, while we got into the into the podcast, I, I was like, "Damn, I, I really haven't heard this guy's voice." This like voice that like. Um, everybody fell in love with when, when, uh, when we saw you on TV the first time. And like, uh, when I call you America's sweetheart, I mean, I like chicks, bro. And I still think you're America's sweetheart. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I wish, um, we could hang out more. I know you've invited me on some like, you know, bear hunting trips with you and Abe. Um, you know, and Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to make it. And yeah, I know they may not be bear hunting, but like whenever you're doing anything with Abe, I can only imagine that it is like sky high through the roof. I don't know. I thought I saw you guys making movies at some point. Yeah. How you guys, I thought I saw you guys, um, making igloos, um, something in between there. <laughs> Fill me in brother. How you been? What have you been doing, man?
3: I'll tell you, uh, yeah, there's mixed opinions on, on hunting out there. And, uh, I watched that CNN documentary, trophy about trophy hunting you know and i about 15 minutes in i was ready to kill that son of a bitch from texas on there that went and killed all them elephants and stuff like that but i'll tell you why you don't want to kill a bear number one d is if yes. you ever tried to drag a bear off a mountain it's the worst <laughs> possible thing it's like taking three or four hundred pounds of rocks and bundling them up in a quilt and trying to drag the quilt off the And they smell bad. There's no reason to kill a bear. They don't taste good. They don't eat well. It's a a dumb idea to kill a bear. So, we didn't invite you on a bear hunt. Yes. It sounds good. It sounds good, but we didn't invite you on a bear hunt. It's a horrible idea. Well, did you invite me to come ice fishing or to build an (laughs) igloo then? I I try to get you to come. See, every year me and Abram kind of have a powwow out in Montana, out at his place. He's got that beautiful place out there in Paradise Valley. And I I consider Montana, Paradise Valley, Montana, at this point, kind of like my home away from home. It's kind of the only other place I've ever been that I feel, besides somewhat on the ocean, but that I feel, you know, this kind of the same feeling that I do in uh, in kind of the southern Appalachian area, North Carolina, Tennessee, and North Georgia. So every year we go out there at the first elk season, and it's about Halloween or first of november and it's kind of like a free-for-all and i always bring people out there that are my friends and uh different people come every year and it's kind of turned into like a like a little summer camp end of summer camp out there and we just take about two weeks and hang out and drink beer and play guitars and you know we'll shoot something and hang it in the garage and eat on it till it's gone and and uh it's like an annual thing right now. And I, every year, I'm like, boy, if Derek was here, he'd be sitting here on the couch with a T-shirt sleeve on his head, just soaking all this stuff in, hanging out with everybody. And you never came. <laughs> and
2: and so, uh, for the record, people don't know, Abram actually built this house in Montana. Mm-hmm. And uh, with this bare hands? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if it was with bare hands or not. But it's a house for rent in Montana, and apparently people have even like Beautiful. rented it out to like get married, married there and stuff like that. So it's like a lodge
3: almost, and it's like everything that Abe does is going to be a very he Abe can't just do anything normally. Everything and it, and me and Abram have been friends for a long time now, and he can't anything he does is going to be different. He can't just cook eggs. It's gonna be eggs with jalapenos and strawberry jelly and everything, some beer and everything he can find in the kitchen is gonna be. He can't just like do something normally. So this house is got it's like a work of art. Everywhere you walk around it, um, no, he definitely comes up with some like
2: insane, like unbelievable ideas. Yeah. Know? Um, and, and like you know this it, it, and this kind of goes back, ties into like the, the challenges that we've done and how I know you guys and like some of the island days. Um, like, is, is this kind of where you guys started this
3: relationship? Was like on the island? Yeah. Um, I have a, I don't want to say, I don't want to say something like this and it come off sounding like I'm uh, better than anyone or that's not what I mean. And you know that. But I have a heart. There's very, there's a handful of people that I've done these shows with. That I keep in touch with on a regular, on a regular basis. You know, there's a there's a select few that I would call and be like, "Hey, getting off work early today. I didn't know if you wanted to go fish this evening." There's probably less than you could count on one hand. You're one of them, D. I would call hey, you and be like, "Hey, brother, what are you doing? Let's talk about things that matter today." Yeah, that um, that,
2: remi- that reminds me. That reminds me of the time where we you you asked me to do one of these things on the island and. And um, we swam out looking for food, oh, I don't know, maybe like three, 400 yards or something like that. I don't know, maybe it wasn't that it was far a away. a long way. Yeah, and, and like I, I, I cut my foot, and I was just waiting for a, a shark to come and eat us. And until, until then, until this day, I still think that you, you you almost got us eaten by a shark. And then we got
3: fined. Well, I got fined, and you didn't. You got fined because you swam the shore, though. This that was a very abridged version of it. Of yeah, story. we uh, we got that
1: question from Brooke on Twitter, so let's get right into oh. the shark. Let's let's hear about this alleged shark.
3: Well, incident. Let's, let's, let's try to kill some, me, bro. Let's state some facts here first. There was no shark.
2: And okay. and, and another thing, Kahuta did is he set Abram up with that beehive for him to get bitten by like thirty
3: five wasps. The island was my first. Challenge, and I didn't really know what to expect from the challenge. I didn't really know what to expect from the first, the real world show to begin with. But you don't know you don't know where you're going when you do a challenge until you get to the airport and print your damn ticket out. You know, so those you'll get an email that says it's going to be humid. It's going to be anywhere from 80 to 90 degrees. It's going to rain. Take rain clothes. Yada yada yada. So you get to the airport. You know, with your little satchel and backpack and whatever, and you print your ticket out, and it said uh, Panama City, Panama. I'm going, oh, okay. So, so we're going on spring know, break? That, yeah, we're going on. I don't <laughs> know if that happens a lot in Central America, but um, so you get there, and then you still don't know what's going on. So it's like going on the challenges and never ending curiosity quest you never know what's going to happen you never know what you're doing the next day you never sleep well because it's hard to go to bed at night thinking well it's 8 a.m the next day i might be dangling upside down you know like james bond out of a helicopter or something like that especially on the island for the record. yeah and so we get there and we were out on the island we got out on this boat and uh TJ, we just stopped, and he told us, oh, there are no challenges, there are no this, there are no that. And I'm trying to remember because it was a long time ago. But then we just jumped into the damn water and swam to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> With you whatever
2: – okay, I, I totally forgot about that. Okay, so yeah. this, this is the first time they're doing this challenge, like, on an island in the middle of nowhere. But we don't know this, right? We, they throw us on a boat, and we drive. Cohoda, how long was that boat ride? I want to say, like, a long run.
3: Like I Probably was it- wasn't four hours, D. It was probably, it was a good solid two. I'll give it that. It was a long way in a boat, especially when in your mind, you don't know if you're driving towards Cambodia or, you know, wherever. I mean, you don't know where you're going. Um And then when you get there, you're surrounded by these people and they don't know where, where they're going. And some, most of them. I just met for the first time, you know. Yeah, and then, and and then and then we have all of our luggage
2: on this boat. And then they mm-hmm. go TJ goes, "Okay, you're going to leave everything on the boat uh, unless you can swim with it. If you can swim with it and get it to
3: get it to shore, you can keep it." Yeah. So, you know, you got we- these girls on the boat that and it reminds me, I don't know if you, if I'm just super old or if y'all remember that that old Tom Hanks movie, Joe versus the Volcano, and they go, they go on this trip, and Meg Ryan packs these trunks of shit to go to this island with, and then they're shipwrecked, and, and Tom Hanks ties all the trunks together and makes a boat out of it. That's what every girl on the show's luggage looked like boarding this boat to go to an island. So you get on this boat, and it's... luggage, you know, for a challenge. And then TJ goes, you swim to the beach and for the next, whatever, eight weeks, whatever you carry over there is what you get to keep. (laughs) So then you see all these girls just panicking and then they're opening up their suitcases and they're going through and they're getting this and that and makeup and leggings and whatever girls choose to, for survival purposes. Um, And then we just jump in the water and and take off right there, right there to the beach. I think it was great. The island was my favorite challenge that I've (laughs) ever been on or that I've ever watched because it was it just it automatically like put this sense of panic in 98 percent of the cast. You know, they were they were uncomfortable from the get go. So yeah, how do we get from that bent.
1: to how do we get from that to shark-infested waters? At least in in Derek's okay, mind. Okay, sorry.
3: Well, well,
2: hold on, hold on. No, I'm no, right I, I, I like. Listen, I like where he went with that because the, the island was such a unique experience, and it really brings me to one of the most, the, one one of the one of the weirdest cast members in the name of Dan Walsh, the Danimal, it was now
3: oh, somewhere and fantastic. And,
2: uh, yeah, the Danimal was like the like the most entertaining cast member ever um he was drunk for uh, you know the, the entire time we were there um, oh i know he, he, yeah um and then uh he stayed sober ever since he got off the show i think he did cutthroat stayed sober on cutthroat turned out you know they don't want that kind of cast member but it's it's mainly because you know um on these shows you know it seems like you know there there has to be a little bit of um you know uh you know, out-of-this-world stuff, you know what I mean? If you're not drinking, you're not really pulling off out-of-this-world stuff, you know? So, but for for that island, dude, and that first night, and once we got there and we were drinking wine out of bamboo cups, and I think we got the hard alcohol actually taken away um, on this, I think this is the first time that they actually said no
3: hard alcohol because they're like, we're not giving them any food, right? They definitely said no brown <laughs> liquor. I know for a fact that they would not give Dan Walsh any... There for about two or three nights, it was hard to differentiate between Dan and a piece of driftwood. I mean, he would just, yeah, he would just wash up in the sand and then the waves would come and splash him in the face over and over and over and over, which at the time was funny because we had no entertainment. But looking back, I'm like, somebody probably should have went and checked on old boy boy on the beach, you know, that... Yeah, they said no more whiskey, no no brown liquor. I remember that because I was kind of bummed out about it because I was like, well, shit, you know, now you can't drink no liquor anymore, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, it's like we want Dan to live.
2: So. <laughs> you know, and, and, and for people like us, like we're so extreme, like dumb shit like that will happen. Like, uh, you know, um, you know, so like for the first time ever, uh, I think they actually said, we're doing away with brown alcohol, and I think that was the beginning of no more brown alcohol on challenge. Mm-hmm. You know?
3: Sorry, um, Scott. Let's revert here. Uh, this is, so they, this but,
2: will happen. This will happen with me and because The premise of,
3: of the island was it was a Survivor-esque type thing. And they even told me that going into the show on the phone. They said, this is a Survivor-type format. And when that said that uh it was like the heavens opened and angels just shouted you're gonna win right right down to my to my head and i was ecstatic about it i was like good grief and then we get there and we get on the beach and they they had the beach sectioned off so they we had about 400 yards of beachfront by about 100 yards wide and you couldn't leave it and i was like how are you expecting me to be happy and survive when I'm, I'm pinned in, you know, and I can't really go anywhere because there was – at that area we were at, there was all kinds of stuff to eat. There was plantains and bananas and breadfruit and all – I mean, there's stuff growing everywhere. It's like we were living in a garden, but you couldn't go. If you if you left it, they'd find you, and it was like – ask Derek. <laughs> what was it, like $700 or something like that that you got? I think I, think I got – I think I got fine fifteen hundred bucks, dude. So finally I said if I can't go that if I can't go backwards in the woods and find myself something to eat, I'm gonna go the other way. And so I made myself a little net and I made a little raft out of some some wood on the beach. Just something that would I mean, it wasn't a boat by any means, but it's something that would float that I could hang on to. And uh made a little spear. And I told Derek, I said, to hell with them. Come on, we'll go out here and find some food. So we took off, man, right right out through the surf, uh, which is super hard to break. If you've never tried to go straight out into the ocean in a very surfy kind of place with a, with a three sticks tied together, it's aggravating as shit. Um, the, time we, the time we got out there, we were so tired we couldn't hardly breathe. But I was diving down, and I was like— You know, there's probably all kinds of shit down here. There's probably crabs and conch shells and, you know, stuff like that to eat. And the whole time, we got got about, I'm going to say we got about 60 yards from the sand. And then I could hear Derek behind me. Yo, uh, bro, yo, you think it's safe out here? Uh, Bro, yo. Uh, you think there's sharks out here? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "Come on, man! I'm I'm starving to death. Let's go." So, we so,
2: so before, so the, my mindset is, he wants to go out like hunting for food. I'm like, he's like excited that this is like this like survivor esque like scenario and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, I don't do this shit. I don't. I don't fish. I don't. Um. I don't go like starting fires on my own. I don't like hang out in the woods. I don't like camping. Like, fuck this. <laughs> but for me, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? If the guy wants to go, fuck it, let's go, let's go do some bro time. Fuck it. I, I, I personally, I like doing stuff I've never done before, but once we got in it, bro, you were navigating it. And I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? I cut my foot. I'm like, we're totally going to get eaten by a
3: shark. Let's get out of here. And then all okay. of a sudden, yeah. that'll that'll tell you how deep the water was we were in derek it got cut his foot. right so you're talking about shark infested seven foot deep waters right now that we're out there floating around in my like long story short I didn't catch anything derek swam back to shore and got fined and when I saw that happen I tried to stay incognito out in the middle of the ocean uh until the producers <laughs> left so I didn't get fined and then I finally kind of Swam in and played kind of walked up like nothing ever happened. And Derek was just steaming. He was like, man, that trip cost me $1,200 or something like that. And was- nobody got eaten by a shark. <laughs> well, I co-
2: well, I come in, right? I come in. Someone's waving me in from production. And I'm like, uh, you know, and it's a head honcho. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm totally in trouble. You know, And just like a little kid, you come running up like, I'm sorry, dad. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I, just, I- and he's like all right dude you're, you're gonna be fined uh one week and uh and um and that's it i'm like what? nope don't do it again ah what was the song? reasoning
1: behind not wanting you guys to go into the woods or in the water to hunt on a show where you guys are on an island like you know, you mentioned Survivor. That's like sort of the point of that show. That's like some of the more interesting B-roll they can get is of people fishing and hunting and whatnot. What was the reason you guys were given for why you couldn't do that there?
3: I think personally it was a liability because there, there and I mean, no offense, there were two people on that show that would have felt comfortable if the format was you could go wherever you wanted to go, and it was me and Abe. Which yeah. is why me and Abram became friends. I'd never met Abram till that show. And they were like, oh, there's this guy that's from Montana and he's building this house in the mountains. And I was from North Georgia building a house in the mountains. And so yeah. me and Abram the whole time, we kind of hit it off. And it was like, kind of like, uh, it was not like a vacation for us. I mean, me, me and Abram would sit on the beach and drink wine and bullshit. And it was, it was beautiful, man. You could watch the sunset and the. Uh, Storms roll in, you know, over the ocean, and it was just – it was like Gilligan's Island out there. Yeah. And I thought it was awesome, you know. Yeah, and, at the,
2: and, at, and the beginning, uh, yeah, at the beginning of the show, I'm pretty sure that they that, that they um, told us that our treasure is going to be at that island over there. And I think within, like, 10 minutes, you guys start building a boat like, all right, we're ready to go to that island to get our freaking treasure. <laughs>
3: and It yeah. was like, nah, it's not like – am I wrong? Sorry, you can no, go back to totally- the Island. We totally could have did that, but you got you got to go into it knowing it's a show, and there's got to be a storyline. There's got to be this, and there's got to be that. It was, I think, if they did a challenge, it might it would probably flop. But if they did something that was a little that was survivor based, I think it would have it would have made a lot more sense. But it was like that. We got to eat a certain amount. They gave you just enough food to keep you hungry most of the day, you know, and so you couldn't eat a lot. There wasn't a lot to eat. You couldn't go find yourself anything to eat. So most people were just, you know... I weighed like 125 or 26 pounds when I got home. I mean, I was... I looked like the damn poster child for Darfur or something like that when I got back. When I got back home, it was horrible. But... Beautiful experience Let let, let
1: me ask you Let me use that as a segue When you kind of You know you talk about How like you and Abe Were these two Outdoorsmen Woodsmen if you will And that was sort of An outlier In the casting process For them In most of these seasons When it comes to The real world Or even the challenge Even a show like The Island didn't really Have too many people Who were like you guys I'll use that as a segue uh, To get to At I Am Remix's question About how you were Introduced to the real world And what made you audition Because from everything I know about you And your demeanor And personality and the stuff you're into, how did you get introduced to the idea of being a part of this crazy, wacky world of reality TV? Because I don't, you know, peg you as being a fan of the genre. So, what made you go out and uh, audition for the show?
2: Um, and, and for the record, the reason why we got in trouble or I got in trouble and got fined is because Koda
3: tried to get us killed and eaten by a start. That's, that's, that's a broad stroke. That's hearsay. Um, um, <laughs> well,. I'll I, I try to bridge this as much as possible, Scott. So, I, you know, growing up, I didn't really, uh, I probably had a very different raising than most people on the show and probably most people in general, you know. And so I grew up in North Georgia, right at the town kind of the foot of the Cahuda Wilderness, which is where my name comes from. It Cahuda means uh, mountains that hold up the sky in Cherokee. So from a from a very young age you know i was felt real comfortable just being out and doing and you know i remember in the summertime uh when school was out i'd be gone for three or four days at a time just off down the mountain from the house and i could hear my daddy whistle off the back porch if i needed to and i'd just come back walk back up the mountain you know but i was 11 or 12 years old or something like that and then I. As I got older, you know, I started working. I was building homes. I got into construction and started building uh, big, nice log homes and stuff like that. But always it, there was this kind of thing inside me that, you know, I wasn't, I was very green. And I guess in hindsight right now, I consider myself at that at point in time, I was a little narrow-minded, but it wasn't because I was a narrow-minded person. It's just because, of, you know, my exposure had been very limited. Um But, you know, as far as I'd always been exposed to good art, good music, and open-minded kind of thinking to an extent. But until you get to a certain point as a grown man, you don't really allow yourself to think for yourself like you should. And uh, anyways, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think I was 20. I guess I was 22 at the time. And they had this casting call at a bar up there. And I'd been sitting drinking Canadian whiskey at that bar for longer than i should have i guess and <laughs> they well they called me back into this room i was like i'll do it And they call me back into this room we sit around this big table and it was mostly guys there were some girls you know but it was me and this uh bmp casting guy named martin booker never forget him and about seven girls and about 15 frat guys and they went around the table asking people questions and talking to people and this and that, and at the end of it, he said, all right, y'all can go, except you. <laughs> and he pointed right at me. And uh, so I you know, I got <laughs> held back, and Charlotte, North Carolina, from Blue Ridge, where I'm from, is it's not a super long way, says the crow flies, but when you consider you got to go <laughs> through, you got to go through Nantahala Gorge, <laughs> all the way up the river, you got to go through... It's a long ride through the mountains. You're talking five or six hours. But so not for a crow. But not for not for not, a crow, right? No, if you could fly, it'd be real easy. Against the airline system, but. Um, so, anyways, they took me to this back room and they made me do all this weird shit. I even had to draw a picture of myself, which turned out horribly. And I filled out this big long application. And then I shook his hand. I was like, "Hey, man, I appreciate it. It was nice to meet you. Oh, I hope you know. I wish you guys the best with all this stuff." so i got in the truck and my buddy gator had he rode with me we were up there together and we got all the way back to the blue ridge at about it was probably midnight and i had a message on my phone because we didn't had no service coming over the mountain and it said hey man this is booker we really liked your interview um we would really like you to to come in tomorrow for another interview and i looked at gator and i was like they want me to come back up there tomorrow he was like, dude, boy, I got to work in the morning. We just drove five and a half hours back from there. There's no, not a snowball's chance in hell that I'm driving back to Charlotte. And I was at right at the point of calling him back and going, man, I, I appreciate the opportunity, and I, but it's just too far. I got, you know, we're framing this house. I got to work in the morning. It's late. And, uh, he, and he was like, when I called and talked to him, he was like, you know, this is the only opportunity we got, and we'd really like to see you. I didn't know what to do, so I ended up calling my little sister, and I was like, they want me to come back up there. Do you want to go? And she said, come get me. So I went <laughs> I went home and got a new pair of breeches and a, some, a new shirt, and I went and picked up my little sister. Like I said, this is like midnight. Drove all the way back up there. So we got there at like, you know, four 4.30 in the morning or something like that. And I uh, went to the interview the next day, and, and then after that, it was like interview after interview, and I had to send a picture or this or that, but finally, they I made it on the show, and it's just crazy. Those tiny, split-second decisions that you make changes your life forever. I mean, it changes your life forever and other people around you's life forever, and it's wild, you know. And then I was uh, framing it probably, let's say that was it's probably two and a half or three months later, was framing this big house on Burgess Gap in the mountains up here and my phone rang in my tool belt it's a, a Motorola razor <laughs> and I reached down there and opened it and it was a bunch of it was a bunch of producers from Boona Murray on the other end and there's me on the other end you know standing there holding a hammer and they were like three weeks you're leaving for Sydney Australia and I was kind of blown away a little bit and I just just said okay and uh, sold my truck, sold my boat, sold my horses and got on a plane and, you know, had to get a passport and got on the plane and kind of took off. And from that point, my life kind of shifted into this whole different realm of shit that I was going to experience that if I wouldn't have made that one decision, I never would have got any of it. And I would probably have three kids right now. And be married to some woman who didn't jog as much as she ought to, and not as happy as I am.
1: <laughs> wow! And it sounds like you owe it all to Canadian whiskey. Is what I got from that story.
3: Oh, a little bit of it to Canadian whiskey. Canadian whiskey is—I uh, owe several different things in my life to that. Some good, some not. But that was—that uh, was one of the pluses, for sure.
2: <laughs> so. Know? so do you think the shir- the show helped or hurt you because i heard i think I, I think you said you referred to it as a realm realm of shit
3: so well, i think that as far as me personally and i always um in which i still do and i think i get a lot of it from my grandpa i, I have this kind of crazy thirst for knowledge so i probably you know having google available on my phone takes up you know, 30% of my day now, because it's a never-ending Google. I bet I Google 150 things a day, just constant. So, you know, me being able to go out, I think it helped me develop and become the person that I was supposed to be at some point in time, you know, because I got to witness these things firsthand and see these things firsthand. So now I come back home, and if I, you know, if I get into a political discussion with somebody that, one of my buddies or somebody I grew up with and they start going off on this and that and refugees in Syria and, and the war. And I'm like, well, I have this opinion on it because I was there. And I remember being in Turkey when, when they were crossing the border and I remember that these was days.
2: nuts. That was I nuts. When, was, when I heard yeah, you guys were in Turkey for that show, I was just like, Oh my gosh, did they not know that, you know, terrorists are going in and out of, in and
3: out of, uh, you know, in and out of Turkey at the time. you know, oh, so it was nuts. In Bodrum, I mean, where we were in Turkey. What show is this, by the way? What show get, is this? The Turkey show was Bloodline. Um, okay. Um, and when I got to the airport and I saw where we were going, immediately, I text production. I was like, are y'all insane? I mean, what are you trying <laughs> to get us all killed? And they were like, no, it's fine. Uh, you know, Bodrum is like the Hamptons of Turkey. You know, it's it's really... So going into it I was a little hesitant and I'd never been to a predominantly Muslim country before, you know, and I never experienced that. Um, but after, you know, we spent some time over there and while you're in the house, you really don't get you don't you really don't get the experience that you do when you're when you leave the house and most people on the shows when they get eliminated, they go to the airport and the hell, you know, I said, the hell with that. And every show I've ever done, you know, I've actually made friends with the travel agent that they use. And I'll tell her, book my ticket 30 or 40 days from now, and I'll find my way back to the airport. Um, so that's what I did in Turkey. Huh. What? So I stayed over there for a long time. You know, I left. Oh my. we filmed Bloodlines in Turkey. Jill had to come back home. She stayed with me for about a week. But I stayed in Turkey for about two weeks and uh, then I left, I I shipped all my stuff back home with Jill and I just kept a backpack and uh, I left Turkey and went from Turkey to Prague and I stayed in Prague and then I went from Prague to Berlin and I went from Berlin to Amsterdam and then I went down into Belgium and I went from Belgium to Paris I hung out in France for a while. I went from France to London and, uh, I finally left London, and then I flew all the way back to Istanbul, and I met Abram. He just got eliminated. So we I walked up on Abram in the airport, and he was sitting there, beat all the shit, you know, tired. He'd been painting mosques in Istanbul and church, you know. I'd been all over Europe, and uh, we ended up actually flying back to New York together. Um, but as far as Turkey goes, you know, that— that experience of being over there like that and getting kind of that whole different culture just thrown in your face, it changes who you are as a person It changes your outlook on stuff. And, and it was a, every trip I've been on with the show has been a huge growing experience for me. If you let it be that, you know, if you kind of open yourself up and, and, uh, take in all that you can every time I come back, I feel like I've, You know, there's things that that's instilled in me and experiences I've had that will affect who I am the rest of my life forever.
1: Um, this is a question we get a lot, uh, for people like yourself who haven't been on since bloodlines, which is funny. Cause you know, now that I think about it, it's quite a few people who that was their last season. Um, cause you know, we were just talking to Abe as well, but, uh, Jules wants to know, um, is the door closed for you to do the show again? Is it something that you're waiting to hear from them? Has it, have they called you, but it hasn't worked out a couple times? And what's the reasoning that we haven't seen you in, seen you in a few years?
3: Um, I'm trying. When you ask these questions, Scott, I really am trying to find the shortest way to get from A no, to B. No, dude, do That when when you were telling the story about the uh,
1: auditioning for the real world, you had so many little gems in there. I would never tell you to shorten these. I mean, from the just just saying that you know the drink sitting there drinking Canadian whiskey a little bit more than you should have, and then just saying your your friend Gator and talking about crows flying over the mountains. So please stretch these out as long as you like, because this is where we really mm. get the really the. the the gems come out in your Yeah, storytelling. You, may, you may
2: regret that. No, no. And and, and honestly, like, I, I don't care. I don't care how long the story is because I, I'd love for you to come back. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't like I'm not expecting to get like we haven't even touched the ruins yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I, I thought you were literally going to be like, I thought you were literally going to say um, we went to the front lines in Syria. Like we went to the border. Like, me and Abe met there, and we stayed even longer to
3: see <laughs> what it was like on well, the terrorist border the, was, in Turkey. Uh, what I was trying to get at in Turkey was I remember I was I was staying in this little—sorry, I'm about to go right back to your questions. No, I'm no, no, honest. don't. Please don't. I, I was staying in this hotel, and usually I just go—I'm a hostile kind of guy. So, you know, I'll try to find somewhere I can stay for like 15 bucks a night or something like that. And I'll stay there for a couple of weeks, and I meet a bunch of people from all over the world. And but in Turkey, you know, I found a, a damn hotel with a temperpedic bed and air conditioning, had a marble <laughs> pool, free breakfast every morning for like thirty five dollars a night. I'd wash my I wash my clothes in the sink, and I'd hang them out over the balcony, let them dry. It was great, you know. But I could walk from right there to the marina, like you know, in Bodrum, and it was like a fifteen minute walk. And I remember being down there, and there's like a boardwalk, a tiny sidewalk that goes around the marina, and on one side of it is, you know, the boats parked in the marina, on the other side is, you know, kind of the storefront of downtown Bodrum that goes next to the castle. And I was walking down it, and on my left, it was all these catamarans and all these yachts and multi-million dollar boats of these people that had sailed, you know, into the Aegean right there through the Greek islands, and they had moored their boats in Bodrum for a certain amount of time. And on the other side, there was a little strip of grass in between the, the, the water and the, the road frontage. And there was all these blankets laid out on that strip of grass, and it would be a woman, and she'd be sitting there, two or three kids, and have a suitcase, a box of cereal, you know, some canned foods, some clothes folded up, some toiletries, and that was their house. It was everything they had and they had they had left Syria with everything that they could carry and they took it to that spot right there in Turkey on the grass and uh, I was walking down through there looking at these yachts and I was like it was such a snapshot of humanity of of, of one side versus the other side of what life can be depending on what you're born into I guess And as I was walking, there was these, I had like six little, I've got it on footage. I've got GoPro footage of it. There's like six kids following me. And they were all trying to sell me like little packs of Kleenexes or whatever they had. And they were grabbing my hands and kissing my forearms and stuff. And just almost getting in a fight over who could get a nickel or a quarter or whatever, you know, out of me. Which I'm sure their parents had kind of sent them out there to. But it was just such a it was just such a crazy moment in my mind of how blessed I had been that you know for me, this was an exp- a learning experience, and for them, it was their damn life. you mm-hmm. know, it was stuff like that are things I take away from the experiences with the show. you know there's it, things like that that changed me. And now when people ask me about when they get all this stuff about these Syrian sons of bitches ain't allowed in the country, and they, I'm like, well, you ought to go over there. And talk to some of them. Before you make your opinion. And before you are so stern about what your beliefs are. Get on a damn airplane. And go over there and maybe experience. What it's really like for some of these people. Um, And that's like a blessing because. MTV took me over there. (laughs) You know I didn't even have to make a trip to go over there. It's just. I was kind of uh, privileged enough to to see those things. But as far as the Sorry going back to other question, As far as. The other shows go you know i usually get a call a year they're doing a lot more shows now you know but the shows that they've been doing recently i don't really think i plug into their formula um there's no i'm not on to be on a dirty 30 ever you know the only reason the only way they would cast me for a dirty whatever is if i swore not to shower for the whole show i might make it something like that but Vendettas. I don't have any vendettas with anybody. You know, I don't. And the fact that I don't know if Nani or Kellyanne will ever do another show. Nani, she's super happy. You know, she went through school in Chicago. She's got a great job. She's doing unbelievable. I'm insanely proud of her. I'm super happy for her. Um, Kellyanne, I don't know if she would do one or not. I'm not exactly sure. But when they think of. Co- you know what drama is Kahuta gonna have? They probably start filing through ex girlfriends, I guess. And if if those ex girlfriends aren't gonna be on the show, I'm probably not getting into a whole lot of mischief. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. Kah- I don't know Kahuda, exactly I, what they're looking for.
2: Kahuta, I feel like I feel like we've seen you. We've had we've seen you on a like multiple have like multiple relationships. Is it just Kellyanne and Nani? Or am I missing somebody? Was there another one?
3: there was another one uh not really I mean uh, from the from the time that uh the, the actual Australia show the real world show you know when me and Kelly M went on the island we were counting this weird muddy grey area of uh you know what's what and we were both traveling a ton and you know I, I, I don't not, can't speak for her but I know I wasn't acting very maturely on my travels um me and Isaac were in, <laughs> staying in Mexico for a month at a time, hosting spring breaks, and from Acapulco to Cancun to here. And there. You and who? You and me and I, me and Isaac. Uh-huh. And, uh And so it was just a weird, you know, both of my, you know, both Kellyanne and Nani. Those relationships probably had potential, but we were just each of us were in such a weird phase in life when we got into those situations that. It was just horrible time horrible timing you know we were we were both in these crazy transitional points in our life and uh, if it wasn't for that you know either one of them might have might have lasted or worked out or but I don't guess it was I don't guess it was meant to be but those are really the only two that I could ever you know I've ever dropped the l word on or something like that. oh you, you know, a d that's some stew I, huh? I, I didn't, didn't I, know
4: that I
1: didn't know no, no what well,
2: <laughs> think we sound like two. We sound like two little girls. Well, you sound more like a little girl. More no, than I we did, sound like
1: two chefs in the kitchen brewing some stew. Derek said uh, you weren't going to give us any stew. But dropping the L-bomb on both of those ladies,
3: I don't know uh, that anyone knew that. Well, That's they a were mi- both like legitimate relationships. To I mean, men, they were over, you know, right at a year, over a year, you know. And if you're not, you know, in a year's time, if you— I don't know. I well, guess
1: I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot, Kahuta, because Jen wanted to know uh, if they called you to do a battle of the X's, and obviously you have both of them to choose from, and they gave you the choice. Who would you wanna to run with there, Kellyanne or Nani? Oh Anani. my gosh! Oh my gosh! Uh, You're about to do some broken heart emojis right now. This is Jen, not me, man. Don't uh, put it on me. This is Jen.
3: I was Jen, a logical man. thinker. I gotta think out. I mean, I've gotta think of if I was. Because I step away from the relationships at this point because it's competition. Donnie's you know, not, not in her own relationship. She's happy. And no matter, you know, what's ever happened between us, I would never, I've never met that guy that she's with. But I would never, I'm not that guy. I'm not a cheater. And I'm not somebody that's trying to swoop in and take, you know, that's not me. So it would be a strictly business ordeal going into it for me. So that being said, you know, I got there's a few things I would look at athleticism, you know, the ability to uh, politically hold oneself in the house and maintain some kind of calm and collective head. So I don't know. I mean, Kellyanne is a, a specimen of an athlete. You know, she's a uh, she's smaller, but she's really in great shape you know she's got great balance and stuff like that she's like kelly a girl if you throw a ball at her she's gonna catch it it's not gonna bounce off her forehead you know what i'm saying i mean she's she has natural abilities to do stuff nonny at the same time you know might train wreck a bitch you might plow over somebody and just run clean over the top i think i would honestly i think i would probably have probably better chances maybe maybe with Kellyanne, maybe, I don't know, Nani is, uh, there's, which I don't, like, I had not talked to her in a long time, you know, but she's a very strong-willed woman, and, uh, you know, it's hard to talk her into something that she doesn't want to do, or she doesn't feel is necessarily the right move, or something like that, and she's, I don't think her plane of communication, at one point in time, was wasn't as open and i'm also separated from the you know the relationship with Kellyanne by a, a greater amount of time than i am the thing with Nani. so it's older news um and i think we could go into it now as adults that you know hadn't had anything to do with each other in years and years and years and you know we both want the same thing was to put money in our pockets um i don't know that's a good yeah. question. I actually saw that question on Twitter, and I was a little nervous about it. I didn't really know how I was going to answer it. Um, <laughs> I, I think want answered lie. it
1: like a champ. I think that was I'm, you put the right amount of thought into it. I don't think anybody could get offended by that. I don't think Nani would care because it sounds like she doesn't want anything to do with the show or, or this care, show, man. to be She's,
3: with you. she's, she's uh, I think, a world of Nani. I really do. And I think that, like I said, things for me and her at that, you know – she wasn't necessarily in a good place, and when we met, I had just gotten out of a four-year relationship. I mean, I was—I was with this girl I thought I was going to marry, um, and we lived together for two years, and a bunch of stuff happened. Man, I can't believe it. There's so much stuff that these people that I could talk about, but. A bunch of stuff happened within my family and I had to take on some responsibilities and it was kind of detrimental to my relationship with that girl and I broke up with her. I was heartbroken and I was a sad little son of a bitch and uh, I ended up getting the call for free agents and I actually turned it down. I told him no and about 15 minutes later, I called him back and I said, okay, I'm an idiot. Uh, Yeah, I'll do it. So then I went to... uh, uruguay and met her and she was such a polar opposite from the girlfriend that i'd had it was almost like the polish girlfriend right yeah it was almost a breath of fresh air you know because it kind of mentally it took me to another place where i wasn't really thinking about the things that had happened but you know three months out of a four-year relationship you're in no i was in no place emotionally to invest myself into the rest of my life or something like that with some other person. And I think that she was, I think that she was ready to have what she has now. She was ready for somebody to take her in and hold her and be like, you know, I got you. It's okay. This, you know, nobody's going to hurt you anymore. Nobody's going to that kind of thing. And I just needed time kind of in between those two things in order, in order to, to do that. Plus we had nothing. We had very, we had very little things in common. Um, So that's kind of how that happens. I think that it was. I think that I broke her heart probably, and I hurt her feelings, and I didn't mean to, and it it wasn't something I did on purpose. But it was almost out of maybe necessity because at that point in time, I couldn't give her what she needed, and and it was you know it was hard for us to kind of meet on a on the same plane as far as just friends. You know, we're going to go to a movie. What do you want to see? Or we're going to put something on TV you know, what do you want to watch? And, you know, not even though I want to watch the Bad Girls Club. And I'd be like, well, there's this Hitler special on the History Channel that I'd like to watch. And then it just went two opposite directions from there. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: those are pretty opposite shows. Uh,
2: yeah, spe- speaking of speaking of opposite shows, um, have you been able to, uh, were you able to catch up on any of this uh, X on the Beach or Chance versus Stars or Vendetta no, or anything I, like that? Uh,
3: Really, I really had the best intentions for that, Dee. Sure. I ask you that question, and I knew you sent me that stuff, but yeah, I had Sorry. a long weekend in the woods. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of why I'm actually today. I'm not doing nothing but sitting on my ass and uh, catching up on some stuff on the com- computer because my, you know, I, I went on a pretty extensive uh, journey this weekend into the mountains, and it takes me a few days to recover because it's a long, aggravating expedition. So I kind of like to let my let myself get back to normal um, before I get back in the gym or go back to work or something like that. So I would have had to watch him early this morning, which I didn't do, which may be my it may be my fault and I'm being irresponsible in the podcast world. But
2: no, 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 dude, it, it, it's no worries, no worries at all. I was just checking in. But I want to before I let you go, man. I I, I want to touch base on 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 one more show that we haven't talked about at all, which I thought was. Um, uh, uh, me and you kind of stuck around the longest, probably on this one together, I think, but, um, I thought you had a great ruined season. Um, going back to the ruins. Um, uh, I mean, you, you, you went in against Cyrus and beat Cyrus. You went in against West and beat West. And then you went in against Darrell and, um, you lost to Darrell, but then that was the, the infamous Darrell versus Brad fight. When, um, mm-hmm. Darrell had a, after Darrell volunteered himself to go in against you, and then uh, you weren't there, but Darrell and Brad get into a fight. Um, they both end up getting kicked off. But for me, and then you, and then during one of the competitions, you actually beat me in that. It beat me in that too. So I thought like the ruins was was a, a really good season for
3: you. Um, I I felt really good in that. Se- I mean, and that, that was 2009 or something like that. Um, I felt great. I felt uh, you know it's com- comparison to how I feel now. I was i you know, I feel stronger now. I feel, uh, you know, I I put on some weight since then, which I some good weight that I feel good about, you know. But and those that point in my life, I was just little, you know. I mean, which I'm still little, but I mean, I was, you know, I was walking into those shows at 128, 130 pounds, or something like that, and that's training for the show. Is <laughs> trying to get bigger, um, but I felt really good about that season. And as far as the, the elimination with Darrell. That the, I felt like the cards were kind of stacked against me a little bit. I had a shorter stature, and the, you know they put the same amount of weight on us. And when I laid back down, all that weight just went right around my neck, and I, I, my buoyancy was really affected. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, but I don't know. Going looking in hindsight, I don't. Maybe I, I in hindsight, maybe I would have just held my breath and dunked underwater, and then did one sit up and caught my breath and went back under. There's several things I could have done, but it's hard to it's hard to think like that, you know, because in the moment you do to the best of your ability what you think is the best strategic move, and mine ended up not being that, which was super, you know. I was bummed out about it, and I would like I thought that I had a had a good chance with that show, you know, three agents, you know, if I would have made it, if I would have made one more round out of it and beat Leroy, I think I would have been in a final. Leroy's hard to beat, though. Um, but I don't know. I guess the ruins was probably my best showing. Lady Luck shined on me a few times, you know, in that show.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: For sure. You know, but I don't. I don't know. You know, I go into the shows with a bit of a different outlook. I think than a lot of people. You know, as far as a political game and the when you step into that house, you kind of step into a microcosm of reality. You know, and it's where real work, real life problems aren't necessarily the prop the problem is somebody threw the other one's clothes in the pool and that's a problem so that's you like have been watching problem oh i get tagged in all kinds of stuff little <laughs> little gifts and little things like that and i and i honestly i do try to keep up you know um but i i would have to i guess buy hulu i think that i think the show's on hulu um and i don't have that and i don't my time you know i watch tv for about an hour at 10 o'clock at night and after that you know i don't necessarily watch anymore but yeah i've kept up a little bit you know because a lot of these people are my friends and you know i consider the show part of my life and it's made a you know it's been a big part of my life i guess so i kind of want to know what's going on with it i think it's the Last actual reality show I think it's it's kind of the the lone survivor of shows that aren't bullshit idiot ass scripted you know you know garbage I think that a lot of the stuff that makes the final edit are a little bravo TV geared but uh, I think that the, a lot of that stuff could have been there's a lot of things that happen on the shows I thought was genuinely funny and entertaining and that never make the edit which I tend to be bummed about you know but it is. It is kind of the the shining example of what reality television started as, and probably should still be um, moving into the future. So, with if you get so, the if you get the
1: call tomorrow, are you going?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm in a point in my life, right now, with is something I kind of wanted to get into, but I don't have time, you know, because I uh, I wanted to a lot of I get a lot of questions about a lot of stuff. I hadn't did a show in years, and I still get this people just curious about what i'm doing and which is super humbling and um stuff kind of a lot of questions i could answer in one swath you know about my granddad and me and my grandpa were very 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 close you know like best friends and some stuff had happened with him right when i got back from montana this year that i kind of wanted to dive into but you know after that that happened it's kind of my responsibility level, if if you can imagine this, has decreased even from what it was. Um, so I'm I can kind of I'm kind of open this year. This is kind of like a transitional year for me. Maybe I mean last year was you know as far as Spain and running with the bulls and then you know oh my the gosh we didn't out even talk about that
2: we didn't even get into that listen dude I I, I can't I have to run.
1: Right. you I, go how about this because, how about this D, D, D. Because, you run to the doctor I,
2: I, because I want it, I want to like I want to be a part of hearing the running of the bulls and all that stuff like I literally have to go to the doctor like I, I the appointments the in 15 minutes it's okay like half D, D, away. you hop off but,
1: I'm gonna ask him a few more questions for Twitter just so everyone doesn't kill us um and then and then we'll just do a, we'll do a part two and we'll ask about the bulls and stuff I'll save that for you
2: well and um, then and then about his grandpa and right, all that right, stuff right. like I just I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface yet you know what I mean
3: Right. Like, uh, I told butter. you. I, I, I've told you. I'm not good at giving short answers, and it, no, it, I take full responsibility for this. No, dude. I don't even care, dude.
1: Have you ever wanted to do your best impression of CT carrying Johnny Bananas around like a backpack on Cutthroat? Well, now you can with the M-Pack, the fully functional backpack that doubles as a weight training pack. And our girl Emily Schramm is nice enough to hook up Challenge Mania listeners with 15% off your entire order. Just go to www.thempac.com mania and enter the code MANIA at checkout. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Scott, who do you think I am? Leonardo Decathlon? I'm not ready to carry an MPAC full of weights yet. I sit around listening to you and Dee all day and watching Vendetta's trailers. Well, MPAC also has really cool-looking gear as well. They've got soft, comfy sweatpants, a really dope hat, t-shirts, and some other gear that looks good on everyone and makes awesome gifts for the active person or challenge fan in your life. So if you want to show some love to one of the nicest challenge competitors around, Emily Schram, and support the Challenge Mania podcast, all while scoring some sick new threads, workout gear, or backpacks in the process, go to www.TheMPAC.com mania. And remember to use the code MANIA to get 15% off your whole Order, not 10%, we're talking 15% off. Anybody who cops some gear since D and I picky you sporting it, we'll be sure to retweet you, shout you out on the show, and show you some love. Um, so D had to run, but um, Kahut is going to stick around and answer a few more of your guys' questions. I had just asked him about whether he would take the call or take the invite, actually, if they called him back for a new season of the show. He had mentioned, I think, in shorthand that his circumstances in life have changed a little bit and he's got a little bit more free time. So, you know, without getting too much into that, because I know D did want to hear that story, um, if you want to continue just kind of saying about how this might be a particularly good time for you to get back into the fold and maybe what it was was that was keeping you uh from being as available in the the recent past
3: um all right so this this year you know would be it would be fantastic for me last year would have been no good I was out of the country for a lot of the year and then I was out west working for a lot of the year um which I would that's something else I need to get into is that 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 job but I'm looking at some stuff this summer. Uh, maybe going back out west for some other stuff. I can't really talk about, you know, another another movie build. I'm not really obligated to talk about. But if they were to call me now, I, w- I mean, I would feel I would feel pretty good about it. I actually I got had this this was probably I had a management job in the in the bar industry in 2005. Right when I got back from uh, Turkey, I had this bar that I owned in Athens, Georgia go dogs and uh ended up selling out of it and ended up my business partner wanted me to come back in there and rebuild it which is kind of what i do i'm a kind of a construction guy by trade so i went back in there and rebuilt it and then he wanted me, and rebuilt it and then he wanted me to manage it and so i took on managing this place and it holds you know this is a club holds like 15 1600 people it's huge and so I took this thing on and it really wasn't my cup of tea because I don't really go to clubs anymore and I don't necessarily really party that, like that anymore. And, it's, and I was trying to be the guy in charge of everything. And uh, after that, I finally, I, I quit the job. My daddy was remodeling his house that I grew up in and uh, I told him I would come home and do it. So I came back to the mountains and it took me about a year but I remodeled this old house that I was raised in, and actually, I put, uh, my dad actually had, I put central heat and air conditioning in for the first time in his life that he's ever had, so we never had it when I was growing up, you know, me and my daddy cut firewood all year, you know, just to kind of stay warm through the winter, and we'd just raise the windows in the summer, and so I put a new kitchen on the house, an extra bathroom, a new, you know, new siding on the whole house. I did a lot of work to it. So after that was done, um, like I said, I left the country, and then I went to Montana, and then I came back and I dealt with this stuff with my family. So it was kind of a—it's been kind of a chaotic period in my life ever since I got out of, of management in general. But as of right now, it's the first time that I—the doors are kind of wide open, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing most people my age have a life path chosen um and I think I maybe have one pegged a little bit (laughs) but not necessarily chosen because I always end up wanting to go somewhere or do this or do that and I get bored and um but as far as the responsibilities that I'd had in the past uh those things are non-existent right now so I'm, I'm right now I'm kind of remodeling a house to move in to move my stuff into anyways um that I inherited and you know once I get that happen I'm kind of wide open um so I would feel really good right now doing another show you know I figured I started losing a bunch of weight about two years ago and I didn't know what I thought it was just because I was framing you know I was outside in the summertime and it was 90 degrees and I was working all day in a pair of shorts and that was it no shirt no whatever sweating and I couldn't gain no weight, and I was drinking all these crazy protein shakes and this and that. And my stepmom finally was like, you got to go to the doctor. And I went and they did my blood work, and the doctor told me, dude, your thyroid is going crazy. And so I found out I had this hyperthyroid, and he said it's pretty much like your metabolism level. It's like you're jogging 24 hours a day, even through your sleep. I couldn't gain a pound, you know, and I was spending three hours a day in the gym and all this stuff. And I got that straightened out. When I got that straightened out, I gained about 20 pounds. Um, so now I actually feel better than I have in the past three or four years. I feel good. And I've been able to gain some strength. And I just feel sharper. And I feel great right now. I would do another show for sure. Uh, and I kind of missed it, you know. And I catch these little clips on Twitter and stuff like that of somebody jumping off the side of a cliff or trying to hang on to a car 40 feet off the ground. I am a little jealous, you know, and cause that's the kind of stuff that I like, you know, I don't, I like trying to push my limits and do things that, you know, if you're living inside your comfort zone, you're not really living. Um, so I like to try to make my comfort zone as large as possible before I die one day, <laughs> you know, and I feel like that means you really lived. So I missed the show and I'd love to do another one. You know, if they call me back this year, you know and it works out the, the the theme and all that you know I would totally go so were there
1: so were there any calls that came in between bloodlines and now and it didn't work out or did it happen that you weren't yeah. available? oh there were what were see where were those seasons? Do you I'm know? trying
3: to think of the seasons that were between bloodlines I think and now. it was
1: basically rivals three um and then there was um invasion of the champions invasion yeah and
3: i think i got the call for invasion rivals i didn't get a call invasion i did get a call and i thought i was going on that one you know I, i was i had been training and uh Would you have
1: been one of the sort of older school cast members who were originally there? Like, I believe Shane was sort of in that boat, or were they going to have you come in as a champion? Because you're not a champion, technically. I
3: have no idea. You know, I don't think they'd have me came in. I think they would have been... You actually probably would have been
1: a good person to have on that uh, you know, in the woods or under that tent, because what they did was, they had it basically be a bunch of newer people and then, you know, there was Ashley Mitchell was there and, you know, she's Mm -hmm. relatively new as well, but then it was Shane was like the only lone kind of veteran there, which, you know, to the naked eye just looked weird. It's like, you're really going to do a season of this show without any of the household names. And then of course the twist is that the household names all come in together, but you would have been great because you are a household name. I think you're the only famous person named Kahuta, which is funny because when you Google Kahuta, you get you and then you get the mountain range. So, um, but it's like, so you would have been perfect for that. But so, so, okay. So it's when I mentioned it before you said, you made it seem like, you felt like because Kellyanne and Nani don't really do the shows anymore, or at least haven't recently, um, that that would probably negatively affect your ability to be on because they do X's seasons, and stuff like that, and you feel like having a built-in drama might be necessary to, for, to, you know, to be your casting selling point. Do you really think that that's the only route to getting you back on the show? Because, I mean, I mean, look, you're a guy who, you know, you're constantly, look, the, the Kellyanne thing doesn't work out, and then boom, and then you go on another show and you're meeting Nani, and you're clearly a guy who, who, who likes to date and the ladies like you i mean what's to say you wouldn't go on the show and have something happen like what happened with britney and brad this this season so i mean talk about that why you feel like it's so so much hinges hinges on your past relationships and maybe they don't they don't think about the fact that maybe you could make some new ones because i think so i think you're tailor-made to go on there and shack up with with one of these younger are you the one ladies who are who are the new faces in the franchise
3: I don't know I mean that's a great I think that they look I think that I've did enough show and it's it's kind of like when you do enough of these shows that what the viewers don't they don't see is how close your relationship becomes with production and not necessarily your relationship with them but theirs with you so they know what you tell them in interviews and you know they know what they film but they know everything because they you got a mic on all the time so all of your little thoughts on anything, you know, there's just like this huge hard drive that is production and it just soaks up all of the personal thoughts and feelings of everyone cast on the show. So they know how you're going to react to situations and they know when you're going to say something that you're not, they know if you're going to, they know, they know who they can cast. That's going to make a situation that is going to allow them to be cast again. And that happens that happens so much, you know, and that's one of my biggest bitches is about the show and about the cast. Is it's like it's hard to. I mean, you got to really. A lot of these cast members, you have got to really work to pry a genuine conversation and an organic thought that's not contrived to some degree out of them. And I've tried, you know, I've experimented with this before. And construction, production, production knows that, you know, they know who's going to do what and who's going to, somebody's going to write a letter at home before they ever even get cast on the show. Cause they know that it's going to cause all this shit. That person is not me at, you know, whatsoever. Um, so I think they kind of take that into consideration, you know, I guess when building a cast for the show and they know that, I've never gave an answer in an interview that wasn't an honest thought on something or it wasn't, um, you know, I've never said something in an interview that I thought once it airs, you know, it's going to spark a storyline or once it airs, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna maybe I made a rival out of that comment or maybe, you know, and that, you know, they put you in this house and they put you in situations where in a, You're going to get into confrontations with people, but if you hit them with your fist or with whatever's laying around, you lose all the money. You lose all, you know, the money that you got paid to go and any chances of making any money goes right out the window. You know, so with me, I don't put myself in those situations and I get along with a lot of people because I kind of keep my mouth shut because if somebody somebody put me in a position that, you know that questioned somebody that I loved, my family. You, you know, I'm not gonna. It's not gonna be a chest bumping, cussing back and forth thing. If there's an ashtray or a a frying pan or a bat, they're gonna be a hurting some a bitch, or or I'm gonna be laying in the floor with blood running out of my ears. I don't know, one of the two. You know, and that's why I don't I don't I don't really get in a lot of confrontations on those shows you know because I don't when you get put in a position to to do something you either do it as fast as possible as a survival mechanism or just you don't do it at all you know you just so I kind of try to stray from that stuff, but that makes horrible television. <laughs> yeah, but there's
1: got <laughs> you know I mean? to be some room for just non-lunatics, you know? Like Leroy, L- L- Leroy just, you know, doesn't start too much trouble on the show. I know he had a little bit of a, you know, kind of blew up on the people who threw him in for that last elimination on Medetis, but he's always been a guy who's been pretty even keel. And yourself, like, you know, you know, just talking to you now, it's like you're such a great narrator because you have a different voice, both literally and figuratively. And sometimes you need to cut to the inner. Interview of just the innocent bystander who saw these things happen and can kind of be the voice of reason and be like, what are these two doing? Or what was that decision this person made? You can't have 30 people in a house who are all just balls to the wall, crazy the entire time, because then none of them seem exceptional by association. You know, throw a couple people like yourself in there, and then we can kind of see, oh, wow, she, you know, she is a little bit over the top compared to Kahuta or compared to Leroy. You know what I mean? So I think having guys like you in there you know, can make other people stand out. It can also maybe, you know act as a, you know, a basis for comparison for some of the wackier stuff that happens. It doesn't, you don't need to have every person in the house out to get every other person. Sometimes it's just fun to see you guys just be flies on the wall and, and watch this stuff happen and play the game the right way. And, you know, manage your relationships the right way. Cause it makes those people who are throwing furniture
3: seem that much, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> seem that much more out of place by comparison. Yeah. And I agree. That's a great contrast, you know, because that it, and it's great to have somebody like you on the the podcast that is not not on the show, you know. Um, so you're coming from a perspective of what you see through the list and what gets picked up, you know, in tidbits on social media, you know, and this and that. And I think that I think that the the casting process changed. I think that it got to a point, and it was probably somewhere right around my season of the real world. And I honestly think if I didn't. If I didn't talk like this, I never would have got casted. I mean, that was it. They casted me in hopes of being something that I think I, it ended up being something else. Um, I think that I was kind of stereotype cast a little bit, um, which is fine for me. I don't really have a problem with stereotypes if they're legitimate. You know, I mean, I own a banjo. I love cornbread. Uh, I listen to bluegrass music. And I, 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 these stereotypes exist for a reason. You know, but at the same time, I've I witnessed half the world. Yeah,
1: no, well, that's what I was going <laughs> to say know? is that, you know, you you list all those things and that's great. But then when you get to like line number five and it's like, oh, yeah, downloads documentaries on World War II and stays up right. all night doing research on Google, that's, you know, that I think is yeah. what separates you, which it's funny you mentioned about the, the kind of the casting because of your voice and whatnot. And I totally agree. They do try to play into certain things when it comes to stereotypes. But I think sometimes those are external or audible, like, say, your mm-hmm. voice or where you're from. And they love having that dichotomy of what you kind of predict someone to be. And when you get to know them, episode three, four, five, six, you're like, oh, not all people from Georgia who sound like that are only into these three things. Or not all people who are from this place are this closed-minded. Or not all these people who are from Mm -hmm. New York are open-minded, you know? And I think what they do is they look for the people who on the surface, everyone thinks they know because they've watched cartoons before. But then they can get that that third and fourth arc of the personality that makes them seem like these brilliant casting
3: directors who find these layered individuals you know and they do and they did a, a great job at that and but i think that the prop the problem with casting and i i'm saying this blindly because a lot of these people i've never met in person and i'm not saying anything bad or negative about them you know Um, But I think that reality television as a whole got to a point to where it it, it consumed most of the airways. So it's like, you know, in 1996, reality TV was three shows. Now, reality television is 70% of everything that's on TV. So people that try out for shows on reality TV, in their mind, they have a persona that they would like to be portrayed as on television. And it's almost like that they're auditioning for that persona as opposed to just being themselves and being cast on the, on the show. And that might make, that, that maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense, um, but it's almost like they know the ins and outs of reality television. And they, it's almost like they're auditioning for a reality TV character. And we see that a lot now, you know. When I watch the shows, and I, when I go into go into the house, and I meet these people, and I, I, start trying to pry little tidbits of personal information out of them, you know, and get some depth and find out what they're about, and what you know, what they believe, and what they don't believe, and um, that's what I've told people now, or girls, or whoever. It's like I'm a, I'm not good at first impressions. I'm horrible. At first, I'm good at like fourth impressions. Third and fourth impressions, you know, I, I, I excel at. First impressions with a girl, it's like, hey, I'm Kahuta. It's nice to meet you. You smell great. What do you think is going to happen when you die? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they're like, oh, holy shit, this guy's insane. You know? and they're, But that's the conversations I want to have with people. It's like, you know, we're adults now. Let's not beat around the bush and let's have like organic thoughts you know and things of that nature and the, a lot of recent cast members it's just tough you know it's just like it's like when i, I can just talk to them and i'm just, i can see in their eyes they're just waiting till i get done because they have something they want to say they just have on deck you know and it doesn't matter what i say or ask them you know it's like They're just waiting to drop, oh, I've been thinking about this question or statement for the past five minutes, and I can't wait to, when my turn is, you know, to speak or something, but I don't know. That's not, I don't mean that to be bad about, you know, recent cast members or anything like that, you know, they're obviously doing something right. They get cast over and over and over on TV, so.
1: Well, now there's this other dimension of it, which, I mean, you know, your last season was Bloodline, so sure, social media existed, but... I don't remember them at that point sort of cutting to a Twitter feed on the broadcast to share like this off-camera beef that two people had. I don't remember them like showing people's Instagram lives and, you know, in reunions and stuff. So I think now it's a 365-day thing that you have to do. Your performance, if you will, does not end when they're done shooting and when you pack your bags and go Mm -hmm. home. It's a year-round thing trying to sell yourself to be on the show. I think our podcast has hopefully become become a place where, you know, you know, people who look to do that can do that, but also to give, you know, just people another dimension of people and get, you know, not everyone gets 14 interview segments and episodes. Some people get two or three lines and we get to, you know, interview people for longer, but, you know, I think, I don't know if you're up for it, but that is something I think that MTV and Buta Murray are looking at these days are how you're going back and forth with the other cast members on Twitter and and Instagram and this and that. And do you have kind of this constant rapport and are you, you know, how are you, how are you placed in the overall challenge universe and you know it doesn't feel like something you'd be up for but are you hypothetically up for that
3: um well it just about <sighs> the p. it's became a or become an it's a non-stop job for a lot of these guys defending themselves you know on twitter and i see it in my twitter feed you know, like I, I get on there and I look and see kind of what folks are saying about each other and what's going back and forth. But they know to me, it kind of it kind of bothers me because they feel like and a lot of these kids are younger. You know, they're 20 to 25 years old. And they at this point in their life, it was the same point I was at when I, it's kind of their job to ensure ratings and it's kind of their job to make, you know, to, to be a part of this conglomerate, this thing that has become the challenge. And it's the challenge. I mean, it's, it's huge. I mean, they've got three or 400 people to pick from if they wanted to, what other show do you have three or 400 people to cast who are already known personalities, not actors, but their actual personalities are known. It's, it's very few, you know. Um, so it's almost like a, I feel like every season that comes around, a lot of these people feel like that their livelihood on a show is threatened. Um, now you have people from other countries coming in. You have this Champs versus Stars thing happening That's uh, that they're casting people from, from overseas and different athletes. Um, you have the Big Brother, you know, stuff. I've seen of people coming in from the U.K., So the bubble just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it just, it makes me feel like that a lot of these Twitter beefs, it don't make me feel like, I know for a damn fact, a lot of these Twitter beefs are contrived in order to keep people relevant in the show. And it's like, this is supposed to be reality. This is your life. This is like, and I just feel like a shithead if I was to start some kind of something that had absolutely no meaning or no, you know, and that's, a lot of these people, they get on these, and it, when the show is filming, they're worst enemies. And they say things about each other that are horrible, you know. And people take for granted the power of words to somebody else. You know, my grandpa always told me, he said, uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart. And that's true. You know, and these people will get on there and say stuff to each other that is atrocious. And then you'll see photos of them filming the reunion, hashtag hearts, hashtag besties, hashtag, and they'll be, you know, hanging on to each other like they've been best friends since they were three years old. You know, and to me, that says, well, either you faked this whole emotional circumstance in order to get ratings for television, or your feelings run about an eighth of an inch deep. One of the two. You know, and I'm just not geared up like that. You know, if you say something to me that that are fighting words or that put that pushes me to a point of either hitting you or coming, you know, being held back from each other or something like that. It takes me a lot, man, because it takes me a lot to get to that point. So it takes me a lot to get back to a level playing field with people. And I try that's why I try to avoid it, because, you know, words are like bullets once you turn them loose. You can't take them back. They've been said, and those feelings have been put out there, and you can't go back, oh, man, I was just kidding. I didn't really mean you're ugly. I didn't really mean that, you know, it's like, hell with you. You know, I know how you feel. And luckily, I've never had a whole lot of those episodes, and I think maybe a little bit because I've held my tongue, maybe more than I should have. But now I'm at the point of, you know, growing up, it took me till I was probably like, I don't know, 29, maybe 30 years old to get to a point to where I felt like I really knew who I was, and I felt comfortable with who I was and what I liked and why I liked what I liked, who my friends were, you know, and why I hung out with certain people. And I've I've developed this very eclectic friend group of people that are artists, musicians, hunters, just you know, bar industry. I mean, I have a Aborigines just i have a friend group that just we just look like a ragtag bunch of people that have nothing in common but all these people have put brought something to my life that's meaningful and i like them you know for a certain reason so at this point i kind of feel like i would be a little my tongue would be a little looser on another show than it has been in the past because i don't really care anymore you know and it's like i'm a I'm as an adult as I'm going to be right now without being an old person, and it's like it. it I feel like that. It, it's almost like my responsibility to be like you're full of shit. That's not true. You told me this the other day, and this is not what you're saying now. So you're dishonest, and maybe that's your maybe that's your game plan, or maybe that's how you want it. But I think it should be put out in the open that you're full of shit. And I, it wouldn't bother me now, as opposed maybe maybe before starting something like that would have been like you're opening another can of worms or you're opening this or that. Now I'm like, can of worms maybe don't bother me as much. Maybe outside of my normal life that I know what it is at this point, I don't really give a shit what they, what anybody on there thinks or says. I'm only going to speak up when I'm in the right, and that's going to come out in the wash You know, and anybody with any sense is going to know who was in the right and who, you know, who was saying what needed to be said or saying what was the truth. Um, And I feel, I feel right now like, I feel uh, like I would be, I would be more apt um, to speak up if necessary than I have been, than I have been in the past. Oh. You know, because I feel like as you get older, you just give less and less of shits. And then by the time you're 80 years old, you know, you'll fart in a crowded elevator and not even care who hears it. You know, by the time you're – it's like – and it slowly progresses to that from the time you hit 30. You're just like, no, the hell with you. It don't – you know, you're an idiot. But, you know, that's – you can count on things every season. You know, certain people are going to go on the show every year and that something is going to happen and, you know – you know it, and production knows it. Camilla, bless her heart, I love her to death. I never had a, you know, she's even blew up at me at a certain point of time, but production knows, we're, we can cast her and she's gonna have a breakdown. She is gonna have a 100% vodka-induced mental breakdown at some point in the season. This is a fact. It's never not happened. You know, and whether that's whether, I don't think that that's something that she was doing to ensure getting cast. Surely to God, not. But it's also, maybe now that she's learned how to fix that issue, you know, but in the past she didn't try to, she didn't put any attention into fixing it, you know. They know these things are going to, they know these things are going to happen. Um, so I don't know, you know. I would totally do a show. If they call me tomorrow, I'd say, let's go.
1: Well, I I look forward to hopefully sometime very soon seeing the look on some of those young bucks, as they call them, faces when you walk out of that elevator having just let one go in their presence. Um, Dude, thank you so much for the time and for sticking around with me, even though D had to go. Let's do this again because people clearly love hearing your voice and, you know, it's Completely okay that you're long-winded, because when you when you go on, you know these, uh, you know I don't want to, you know when you respond with these thoughtful answers and you have these gems of wisdom and you're you're, you're dropping lines of knowledge that you said your you know your grandfather always used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, and then I of course in my own idiotic head think I know the answer. I'm like yeah, but words will never hurt me, and you're like, but words will break my heart. I'm like oh, that is a gut-wrenchingly true statement. Thank you for bettering my day. So thank you, dude. We're gonna uh, we're gonna post this up tomorrow for everybody to check out let's do it again soon and um, yeah thank you for all your you know your thoughts and uh, it was awesome uh, having you on challenge mania we've been trying to make this happen for a while and i think everyone will be uh, very happy with it
3: i appreciate it scott and uh, i'd love to maybe chat with you guys again and talk your talk your ears off a little more
4: The Challenge Mania shop is open. Head over to challengemania.shop today for the best way to support the podcast while looking good doing it. New designs and items added every few weeks. Maniacs, time to mobilize. Check out
0: challengemania.shop today. With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming, Hey mom. Hi dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details.